1: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Let's get back into the panel. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, dial pound 3636. Again, with Tom Parkin, columnist with a bluntly social democratic point of view. John turley risk management consultant specializing in capital markets with extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. And Lindsay Broadhead, corporate communications strategist. Lindsay, let me ask you, uh, because you're the corporate communications strategist and it comes down to messaging, this thing with the hereditary chiefs, Carolyn Bennett, and her provincial counterpart uh, meeting out in northeastern B.C. Mm-hmm. over the weekend, and uh, an arrangement was arrived at. This is the early word, and everybody's kind of waiting around like, uh, you know, <laughs> the the holy smoke to come out of the vestibule there for the pope, you know, uh, what's its signal here? Nobody has any idea what's going on. Uh, Is the government playing this one close to the vest appropriately? Or do you think there are a lot of people who are uh, feeling perhaps a credibility issue here and the best interests of all Canadians are not being served? How do you see it?
2: I see this as um, Trudeau setting the stage for everyone to save face. If that is not the case, he is undergoing what is going to be the most epic fail of all time. Because I think... All hinges on this particular move, and I'm assuming there is a smart chess game going. Perhaps I have too much faith mm. in government, uh, let alone his government, I'm not sure. But I think he's setting up for the uh, chiefs to save face, uh, for First Nations to reconcile even amongst themselves a little bit and have conversations. This project has to go through, right? Uh, it has to go through for all the reasons we just described. Uh Coronavirus isn't, a, isn't on a single path, but it is having uh, an economic impact. Canada needs some other tools to spurn uh, the economy, uh, and they Canada needs to show the international market, let alone the domestic market, let alone Alberta, uh, that we can build.
1: And yet the last word from the hereditary chiefs was uh, this doesn't mean anything. I mean, we're still against the project. So uh, it's almost like set back to square one. John, how did you interpret things?
3: Well, I I think it was very important to hear what the premier of of BC said, and that is the pipeline is going to be built after they had this conversation. My understanding is construction has started again. So that tells me that whatever agreement that they came to, that that piece of the puzzle has been solved. Uh, The piece of the puzzle that may not have been solved is you know, where the pipeline is exactly going to go, because I believe some of the hereditary chiefs that opposed the pipeline uh, were concerned about uh, where that pipe pipeline was going to ha- uh, be placed. So it's quite possible that it's going to be moved somewhere else. And that's part of the discussion that, that this uh, uh, Aboriginal community may be having right now. All right, and so to Lindsay's point, I mean, if
1: this turns out to be uh, some kind of ameliorating the whole situation, does that reflect positively on Justin Trudeau, like he's pulled a rabbit out of the hat or you know, the fat out of the fire, whatever metaphor you want to use? Tom? A
0: bit, although the response was delayed. So uh, I think he has to wear that. Uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, uh, he could have had the meetings to uh, with with the, the chiefs of the Wet'suwet'en Nation to, to 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 address the underlying problem, which is land title. Uh, I mean, it could it happens to be a pipeline, could have been a road, could have been a ski hill, could have been any kind of development happening on this disputed land. Uh, the question is, whose land exactly is it? Um, that, is, that question has been, of course, around since, you know, B.C. joined Confederation in 1871. It's been specifically around since a major Supreme Court came, uh, decision in 1997. Yeah. And it's been uh, present for us for a year and a critical for a month. And Mr. Trudeau waited and waited and waited, so he has to wear that not doing what he should have done first. Now, I think what we're seeing is that the underlying t- land title issue is there's an acceptance on behalf of the government of Canada that uh, yes, uh, there 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 is there is a, a land there is a title to the land as if in the same way that somebody who had a treaty. Remember, these folks don't have a treaty. There was never a treaty between Canada and this nation, so they have a treaty like uh, rights to this land. So. Having assented on that, um, then the discussion goes to okay. Now with those that mix of rights over the lands, um, what does that mean for the coastal so gasling?
1: He has to settle all of the fundamental or underlying uh, preconditions. Yeah. And, and
0: this comes back to a point we we're making earlier about you know business certainty. Uh, you know and this is being a part of the problem. I've been you know really vexed about this and 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 commented about this a lot. You know, how are we, whatever, I'm not a big pipeline proponent by any means, but whether it's a pipeline or a highway or a ski hill or whatever the development is, if it's happening on contested land, how can that be good for an investor who wants to do something when I don't know?
1: No. So
0: we got to settle these things. And, and, and you know, we delayed and delayed and delayed these things for generations. Mr. Trudeau got elected on a platform of I'm going to solve this. He didn't. And we've seen a crisis. All right. And so
1: let's move it ahead. I, I'll, I'll shall do that. Let's yes. move it ahead to uh, <laughs> another case of messaging here while I've still got some time. And it's an, an important one here in the province of Ontario where, you know, uh, the teachers' strikes with the unions have been roiling things, the government, the standoff that's been two and a half months now. And uh, we're getting uh, deeper into it, it seems. But. Yesterday, Minister Lecce was on this show, and he was talking about making conciliatory gestures towards the Secondary School Teachers Federation, certainly by removing any idea of a mandatory online course, let alone two or four. It'd be optional now, and uh, taking off the table as well uh, the class size thing. Effectively, I mean, going to 23 on average from 22.5, whereas, you know, everybody, he staked out the original position of 28 students per teacher on average. Uh, And he's walked that back. Uh, but he's still insistent on the 1% wage cap and uh, as well a merit based hiring system for replacement teachers rather than based on seniority. So he's given something. This is yeah. the quid pro quo argument. Uh, how will this play, John, in the court of public opinion? Now, last hour we had somebody on our, our midweek panel su- suggesting that this is in violation of all kinds of negotiations and, you know, labor relations rules, and but you don't negotiate in public that way. What did you make of what Lecce uh, came out with yesterday?
3: Well, I, I think what he's been doing is carrying on the the whole narrative of, of this entire conflict, and it's been a political one. And if anyone thinks that the uh, the unions have not been political about this from the beginning, in their opposition to the conservative government, uh, to Premier Ford, and then to, to Minister Lecce, well, then they're dreaming. So what I think what's happened here is you've got into a, a battle for, uh, you know, the p- political support from the people in this province. And I think where the unions have been sort of knocked back on their heels is that uh, the, the, the conservatives are not the Mike Harris conservatives of yesteryear. They're actually being pragmatic. And that is, okay, if you're saying that the, the, the class size and online learning is the issue and, you know, we've polled and that's what parents are saying, you got it. We're going to go there and we're going to keep class sizes where they are. Uh, but that 1%, because you said it wasn't about any money, you're going to have to uh, eat that. Uh, and the, the whole question about uh, merit hiring, I think that, is, that really will resonate with a lot of parents because there's a lot of parents who ha- get really frustrated when they get their kids stuck with a crappy teacher and they don't know how to deal with it, especially when principals say to them, I'm sorry, I'm really not able to pick who I would like to teach in my school. I've, I get five candidates based on seniority sent to me. I may not want to hire any of them, but I have no choice. That resonates with the public. All right. Uh, Lindsay, again, as a communications strategist, I mean, uh,
1: suggesting now that he has given something in turn or he uh, took the first step here in good faith and so on and so forth. How does that look? And does it put the union in a position where uh, they have to, I guess, uh, at least engage in kind, don't they?
2: So this is, I think, a public relations case study that will be studied for ages, because what's happened is we've lost, we as in the public, have lost all of the nuance of the argument, right? And to a certain degree, it doesn't matter, because both the union and the government are placating to their own audiences, which are very different, right? So the government audience only cares about the the wage increase, uh, and the Ford government only cares about bringing down uh, the budget, or the... the um, uh, Oh my gosh the words escaping me right now anyway to ensuring that they don't uh, go into further debt right the deficit S- the deficit sorry um so w- what's happening is they're both playing to those particular groups um what we're seeing is the the public is only looking at the three core issues of uh of salary class size and e-learning but all of the nuance of actually what will be debated behind the walls uh in the contract is completely lost. So I think the public is going to be more inclined. The The teachers are in a harder position now because they're going to be more inclined to uh, agree with the government that, yes, what they've been asking for has approved, been approved. And the unions are in a harder position now because they, if they want to counter what has been the public narrative to date, they actually have to insert new categories and new aspects that have been somewhat lost. Uh, and that's very complex and difficult to do. Well, but both sides, like you said, uh, uh, you know that that uh, Leche was positioned as as backing down to his audience. I don't know if that's true. I think his audience sees it as a win. Um, so well, I, you know what? I
1: I would go further on that because, to my mind, anyway, it was that one percent that was really uh, the prize, and so he didn't uh, back down on that. But he positioned the unions like, hey, uh, I've given. The things that you guys claimed were the big sticking points and you pulled out all the polls and said, this is what the parents want, keep the class sizes the same, Uh, no online courses. All right, you got that now. But uh, would you also recognize, as the quid pro quo, this 1%? He wants to hold on that 1%. Tom, a brilliant strategic move, or do you think uh, because the unions didn't want to engage today in any kind of negotiations or talks, they sort of rejected that? Uh, That was the last word from late last night. What say you?
0: Well, I don't think their goal was uh, simply to hold wages at 1%. Uh, There was a much bigger ambition, clearly. Um, And... uh, you Know to increase class sizes and get the e learning on well, there's a but cost
1: that, affixed to that, that
0: sure. That, that was that was fought off, uh, successfully, partially successfully. Although, though, and this is to Lindsay's point, there are some nuances that the teachers' unions are saying today. Like, uh, it's, it's not all obviously, it's not all the way back, it was set at 22 with a cap. Uh, now it's 23. So, in fact, it is a small growth, not as much as originally proposed. Uh, to get your child exempted from the e learning. Requirement, you actually have to go see a guidance counselor. Apparently, it's not—it's oh. not just you know, it's so the onus is on you. You got to have a meeting, blah 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 blah. Uh, so there's a, a bunch of little things that, if uh, teachers, um, you know, want to bargain this out, want to raise these objections, uh, the, the court of public opinion is going to have to try and wrestle with detail. That's tough, but I, I think the overall picture here is that these uh, the, the, the this may be a story winding down. I hope so, but the the overall picture is that. The Ford government engaged in a fight uh, that the public really did not um, want to have fought for them, and that's what the government's job. Are you sure is to about do. that? Well, uh, you know, you you probably saw the Angus Reid poll of premiers around this country the other day. Mr. Ford is heading towards the basement. Uh, he's down to 31 percent ac-
1: approval. Uh, his well, sometimes heavy lifting doesn't make you popular. That's
0: the yeah, point. the yeah. There's there's. I don't know if that's heavy lifting I think it's just in the wrong direction he well, never he never asked Canadians he never asked Ontarians whether we wanted larger classrooms he never asked well, about how
1: do you reduce a deficit then I Well,
0: stop giving away the tax cuts let's start with okay, that okay so
1: we get back to that
0: again let's 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 stop cutting our paycheck yeah, uh-huh. Because if we want to have a great country, we've got to have a good education system. I mean, that's just, that's a fundamental.
1: John, back to that point on the 1%, uh, do you think that was the end game or the goal? The government actually gets them to uh, concede that point and then
3: everything else is a wash? Well, I think it is a very clear ambition of, of uh, the Ford government to manage the, the, the deficit and the debt by having uh, increases in wages for the civil service capped at 1% across the board. I don't think they could have given 2% to teachers and then gone back to the civil service and said, we're only giving you 1%. When I say civil service, you know the bureaucrats who work in, in, in various ministries. So I, I think that was a critical uh, win that they had to get. Uh, and I do think, uh, you know, they have been more pragmatic than people have expected. I think for, for years, you know, you build up conservatives as ideologues. And I think if they come out of this with an agreement where they keep the 1%, work on the details, but there's no strike uh, between all the all the unions, um, I think they're going to look better.
2: I, I, to, it could happen that way, but I think with the nurses' union on the horizon, um, this sets an interesting precedent for 1% because that will protect them with, with any other uh, challenges that they have moving forward. But I do think the Ford government has been painted with a dirty player kind of brush. Um, rightly or wrongly them doing the announcement in the way they did it feels a little bit disingenuous um and right from the beginning when they came out and they you know they mandated the one percent it's they're making deals in the public space outside of what was traditionally closed door type of meeting environments so i'm not sure if that sets them straight with the with the populace
1: And then you've got the wild card, best laid plans, of mice and men uh, go out the window because the COVID-19 comes along, changes all of the equation. And, uh, you know, the economy takes a hit uh, and you have to hit a reset button of sorts. Interesting. Uh, We live in interesting times, Tom. Remember that old Confucius? That's a curse, right? Yeah, that is a curse. Uh, (laughs) We're going to leave on that note, though. Thank you all for coming in this Wednesday afternoon, making it a great day for talk radio. John Turley-Ewart, Tom Parkin. Lindsey Broadhead, we'll do it again soon. Thank you to Robbie Trevison and Mary Feely, and to all, thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.